Hi, my name is Britton LaRue. This is the Moon to Moon podcast, and it's episode three. I'm a consulting astrologer. I'm an astrology teacher, and I'm also a tarot reader and intuitive guide for my clients, and I suppose anyone who follows my teachings too. So my background is in academia. I like to joke that I'm a recovering academic. And the teachings of astrology and intuition and working with cycles and working with seasons and basically like a lot of old ways and old storytellings and mythologies combined with the wisdom of the tarot, all of those teachings came into my life in a time of great change. And as I worked with and studied this material from just my own self-healing and my own um, giving into uncertainty to be anchored in these teachings so that I could evolve and transform, I began to want to turn this medicine to other people. And so I've evolved as um, someone who works with people one-on-one. So I do chart readings with people. I'm almost 100% um, remote, always have been. So the current state of the world has not changed the way I work with clients. Everything's over the internet and through recorded readings that I email people. And then I also love writing. I've always been a writer. And over time, it became very clear to me that people, all of us, we, we, we fall into certain ways of being, you know, in our lives. And we fall into like certain roles, and we, we, we get really like um, committed to those roles. And then we, we determine that we are not these other roles, you know. And I've come to see how that's very limiting um, to perceive that so-and-so can be like that and so-and-so can be like that, but I'm like this, right? That, that way of speaking is very limiting. And... If you take all 12 signs as the entirety of ways of being a human being, I began to see from working with myself and then from working with other people that talking about the teachings of each of the signs for everyone, not just your sun sign or your moon sign or your rising sign, but like they're all you because you have all 12 signs in your chart because the whole sky was around you when you were born that sign teachings can be wildly empowering. Um, taking on the learnings of a, the teachings of a sign, if it's not your sign, is can be really opening. It like opens the doors of one's perception around how you think you are and what you can be and what your life can be. So I've seen this for myself and I see it for other people. And so I started to make these audio teachings about signs. And now I'm creating workbooks 
to go with um, the audio teachings that now are in the podcast. They used to be paid offerings. So I'm going to get into Aries teachings today. And I've also uh, created, I'm creating workbooks sign by sign. I, Pisces was the first one as a prototype, but Aries to me really is the first one that um, ignites the series because it is sign number one. So that's now out in the world, um, hopefully in our, in my hands by tomorrow from the printer. These I've designed with my collaborator, Angela George. Angela and I bonded over our love for journaling and loving to like get into um, our self-inquiry through writing, drawing, um, chart, like creating diagrams, charts, like working with tarot cards and then writing out what it looks like and putting our thoughts on paper essentially in some form. And so we began to dream up how I could cull and um, I I could capture the sign teachings that I was giving in an audio way into a Word document that then she could transform her own way through her abilities as a designer. And so now we have these beautiful sign books in the series I'm calling uh, living the signs with the idea that we live this wisdom. We don't just hear it and like intellectually like, ah, oh, isn't that nice? You know, like I've really found that if we want real change, if we really want to evolve and open how we are in this world, we have to create time to wrestle with it, to be with it in ways that are more embodied. Doing the activities in the workbook along with the journaling is a way that you can do that. So I have that series, but I also have started another series called Moon to Moon. It's the name of this podcast as well, because astrology is a study of cycles and working with the lunar cycle is a really important part of um digging into living in cycles. And living in cycles has given my life so much more rhythm. So I have this moon to moon series that's, I've only done volume one, it's sold out, but I'm getting another one out there soon. So those workbooks would be available through my website at brittonlarue.com. That's also how you can make appointments to work with me one-on-one. And then I also do teachings like workshops, um, some I create myself and put out there and some that other people hire me to do under their name. So I'm always looking for more opportunities to be teaching because that's really my background because I've been teaching since forever. Right out of college, I started teaching seventh and eighth grade social studies and um, then university teaching. This is just, let's like, I mean, there's pictures of me as a little girl lining up all my dolls and I'm like their teacher. So (laughs) teaching is my favorite thing ever. I consider this podcast a kind of form of pedagogy, I guess we could say. So here we are and it's the last day of the Pisces new moon cycle. And I've been personally honoring all that this cycle has meant because so much has changed for all of us. 
so much has happened. And I do believe that when you work in cycles, you always close them out properly, you know? So I've been doing a lot of closing out personally, really naming and honoring all that I've learned, naming and honoring what I'm planning to leave behind when I cross the portal of the new moon tomorrow. And also really noting favorite memories that I don't want to forget in my journals so that I can go back and reread them because that brings me great pleasure. Journaling is really at the center of my, um, my self-care. So I'm looking to tomorrow. I'm looking to tomorrow's new moon to bring in the next cycle. So in this podcast, I'm going to talk about new moons and I'm going to talk about this particular new moon, looking at the astrology of the sky right now. Some really heavy astrology that match the really heavy reality you were in. One of the great things about cycles, though, is they have beginnings, middles, and endings. So um, all of it's not to be scary. It's just to name and honor what is. This is here, this current reality we're in, as well as the astrology we're in. And then they, it will pass at some point. And so that's, to me, something really great about astrology is that it... Um, it can, it can reflect and contextualize our lived experience and also speak to beginnings, middles, and endings. Um, and then and working with the lunar cycle to me is how we practice that we trust the cycles because that's only a 28-day cycle. And so we can like get into some momentum and some rhythm with that. Then I'm going to shift in this episode to talking about Aries and its ruler Mars, and I'm going to share with you their teachings. So when this used to be a paid offering, the umbrella of it was the medicine of, and then I called it the season that we were in. So this, I'm going to shift into the medicine of spring, then subcategory Aries. And the other subcategory under, you know, under Aries then, we talk about Mars because Mars is what we call the ruler of Aries. I'll explain that later. And through those teachings, what I call the symbolic wisdom, because Aries is a symbol, Mars is a symbol, meaning it carries actually many, these, these terms carry many meanings, many, many, many meanings, like endless meanings. And that we get closer and we closer and closer to the essence of the teachings, the more we like um, play with and swim around in these different symbolic resonances. We can never completely capture what a term like Aries means or a term like Mars means because they mean so many things. This I love the word multi valence there's they're multivalent terms so they um they're holographic they carry a lot so we just like dance with and swim around in and have a party with 
these different resonances as we allow them to like open things in the mind and open things in the psyche and in the heart to bring us closer to like, yes, I understand how that is me. Or yes, I, I feel how I want more of that. I feel like I, I can feel into how I know this in myself and I've seen it in the world and I want to get better at being in that essence. You know, that's like, to me, super beautiful. And um, this symbolic wisdom to me, like, holds me like I'm like a little baby in its arms. And it's like, it rocks me and makes me feel good when I'm um, otherwise uncertain. You know, that seems to be a big keyword for right now is uncertain. There's a good good reason for it. You know, things are not certain. Things are not clear. But we can be held by ancient wisdom that knows way more than we do has been like what what lasts what lasts this wisdom this wisdom lasts so let it hold you it's you know that's why i love it is it is it holds me through anything one sign one planet at a time is the focus by Lunar Cycle. So I like to put the the titles of my two series together and think of it as living the signs moon to moon. So we're, we're leaving Pisces, living Pisces behind, and now we're moving into living Aries. So if at any time you are listening and you feel like I'm speaking too much jargon that you uh, and like your brain's like struggling because it's trying to process everything that I'm saying. Like I'm throwing out planet names and you don't know what they mean. And it feels like, you know, my um, my invitation to you is just to kind of relax. That's your analytical brain. Such a sweet part of ourselves just wants to understand everything and put it in categories and make everything logical. You know, I, I totally get it. I love logic. But when you're learning astrology, you really have to approach the information intuitively and with a lot of trust that you will, over time, learn all of these terms if you stick with it. And trust in yourself that if you're listening intuitively and you're feeling into this information intuitively, that you will take away from it what you need today. And that's all that really matters. There's something, if you're listening to this episode, there's something here for you. And if you listen intuitively, you will find it. And you don't need to worry about all of it. Some listeners are familiar with the language, so I also like to give them some of the technicals so that they know like where where I'm getting things. <laughs> what is she ta- why is she saying that? <laughs> so, that's my invitation. Okay, so I'm going to start digging in then to the material. I want to start then by thinking about 
what a new moon is as I have come to understand it from learning about the moon from my teachers, especially uh, shout outs to Achintya Devi and Sarah Godestiner. That they really helped me begin a path to understandings and I encourage you to check out their work if you're not doing that already. So a new moon is when the sun and the moon are together in the sky. So we can't see the moon because it's, it's with the sun. So it's the time of the month when the sky is really starry because we're not seeing the moon. And so the new moon, it's, it marks the beginning of what we call a lunar cycle that begins when the sun and the moon come together. And so because the moon travels sign by sign every two and a half days, it moves itself all the way around sign by sign in the sky and through all of your chart as well. It goes all the way around. And then in the next month, it will meet the sun again in the next sign. So the new moon is a time when we begin. It's like the beginning of something new now. So what I like to do with the imagination and with my spirit is to imagine that the three some days from the specific exact moment of the new moon, not before, because before the new moon is all technically previous cycle. So the this particular new moon is going to be at 3.28 a.m. mountain time. So that's 2.28 Pacific, 4.28 a.m. Central, and so on. That's, that's the beginning. And then so three to four days after that, we can call all of that new moon when we're in the, the beginning of a new cycle. So there's two ways that we can think about the new moon then. On the one hand, we can think about it as the idea that all possibilities exist now for what this new cycle is going to be for you. Like, we are cleansed, we start again, we begin anew, all possibilities exist. And to me, it's really important that we use this time as a time to seed, S-E-E-D, and to um, like name a commitment of some kind, name an intention, a dream, a goal. For me, they're always a little different, like how, how specific or how um, internal or how external a goal or intention is going to be. It kind of just depends on how I feel, how my body reacts to the season um, and to the sign energy that we're in. Um, everybody's going to be really different about that. But the, the idea, though, is that we, uh, there, there's a commitment, there's a contract that's made in some way between us and our higher selves that we want to cast out this dream, this possibility, this intention at this time. And I always like to insist with people that it's important for this to be limitless in the sense that like, don't place a limit on the possibilities of what you would like. 
Like this is the time to trust in the void, the blank page, the liminal space where all possibilities exist. And thus the trust in the optimism that like radical change can happen within you in this lunar cycle. Always like high level trust here. What's like beyond like you can't even say it. It's so exciting, you know? Like, oh my God, the thought of that actually came true, you know? Of course, I always try to focus my intentions on myself because you can't like set an intention that someone's going to fall in love with you or that you're going to get a job because a lot of that's just, I mean, it's not in, it's not about you. It's, it's about these other factors too. So the intention is always like, what can I bring here for my highest and best? What would be the, you know, what would I really like to see for myself? And sometimes like if I'm in a really hard time, I, that, that high goal would be like, I, my intention is to walk through this cycle with grace, grace and patience, you know, like that's really beautiful and perfect for some people in some cycles. All cycles are different. Moon to moon, we're different, right? So we track it by tracking our relationship to ourselves moon to moon. So all possibilities, all possibilities exist. And number two, when we're working with the new moon, it's also an initiation into this sign energy. And this is if you're bringing astrology into your lunar work. Not everybody does that. That's fine. For me, working with astrology helps me to make sure I'm taking care about all the facets of myself, meaning all the parts of me that are the 12 signs. So with each new moon, I'm caretaking a sign part of self. So this last cycle, I was taking care of my Pisces. And now I'm going to take care of my Aries and so on. So it's an initiation because in the language of astrology, the sun and the moon are like the two eyes, the two luminaries, the two lights that represent all of um, like, like ourselves. Sun being our more conscious self out in the light of day, the one that we're, we're aware of. The one that has goals and is like out there asserting authority and um, making things happen. The lunar self, the moon self, is the more unconscious self, the more emotionally driven self, more instinctually and intuitively driven self, the one that sometimes motivates our behavior to make sure our emotional needs are getting met. And that's a really important part of who we are. In psychotherapy terms, you know, the idea is through this work with the moon, we help make our unconscious conscious so that the unconscious parts of self aren't like ruling our lives without us even realizing it. So when we have a new moon, then it is an opportunity to set intentions with no limits and I like to set my intentions as related to that sign energy that the new moon is in so that I can deeply connect myself with that facet of self. So 
moving forward. Um, I want to talk then about a reading for this particular new moon and like the astrology right now. I'm not going to be super in-depth with this. I just want to stick to like the important energies to think about. (sighs) One of the first things that I notice when I look at the chart for this new moon is that the sun and the moon are very close to Chiron in Aries here. So Chiron is the wounded healer. Chiron is the part of self that um, has had experiences in which we lose our innocence, where we've lost our light in some way, where the world was absurd, where the world was unfair, and it hurts and it was painful. And we have to live with it. There's like nothing we can do. We just have to keep living despite how there was this rupture of innocence, this rupture of completeness that's gone and there's nothing we can do about it. And I feel that that's really poignant that the lunar cycle begins with Chiron because, of course, we're feeling this all collectively. I mean... Everyone's had Chiron touch them in their own ways. I have very clear Chiron stories in my life that are going to be different than yours. And even before this reality that we find ourselves in right now, you know, we've known absurdity, we've known injustice, we've known struggle, we've known things, right? But right now, there's just such a collective energy of um, WTF, you know, just this collective reeling and rupture that like, oh my gosh, like everything that I thought my life was is totally changing and dissolving. And now I have to live with this. We have to live collectively with the loss of innocence, even though like we all know we weren't innocent. (laughs) <laughs> but but there was a kind of business as usual that's now being deeply um, looked at. For me personally, I have been deeply looking at the issues of business as usual for quite some time and trying to deprogram myself from the way I was wired by systems that are unjust and toxic. But for a lot of people, they haven't been doing that work And they have full faith and trust in these systems and ways of living our lives. And I I know that it it's a hard thing to um to see a kind of fall like this, especially when it involves actual human life and uh yeah, we're in a Chiron moment, big time. So it's particularly poignant that the new moon begins with Chiron and like what, what's the medicine of working with Chiron? You know, Chiron tempers our inner child from being a little too naive. It helps us grow up. 
But Chiron was also a great teacher and a great mentor, perhaps the greatest teacher ever, according to mythology. Chiron rules holistic health and wellness. And so Chiron is also here at the same time to speak to what this cycle we might want to bring into our lives for more holistic health, like really our whole selves, not just um, single symptoms, you know? How might we show up better for our whole system, mind, body, soul, and our whole collective system where nobody gets left out because it's a holistic entity, right? So there's that. And there's also like the mentor aspect of like, who were your mentors? Like, how can you dig into the teachings and the modeling of your favorite teachers and mentors? Like, not just like a, a random handful, but like the one, the two, the people of your life who shaped you. Even if they're gone right now, you know, how can you lean on their example and lean on their teachings and how might you infuse your energy right now with everything that you learned from them? Because maybe you learned everything that you learned from them so that you could remember them right in this moment. And you can feel them like at your shoulder. Imagine their hand on your shoulder, you know, just like, I'm here, you've got this, remember. So that Chiron energy is both reflecting I think the absurd sense of loss, but also the great potential for healing that's present right now. When you look at a chart cast for Pacific and Mountain Time, it also puts this new moon happening at home in the most private space. Don't worry about the technical on that if you don't understand what I mean by that, but it's very interesting to think about, yeah, we're at home, most of us, and we're doing this work from our private home space. So a lot of what we're all in right now is bringing up, bringing up things in the home, you know, like the dynamics between people um, people we can't be with, people that we are with, who, you know, some people are just barely living together already, and now they have to be with each other constantly. So it's going to be a time with a lot of um, kind of unraveling, I think, in order to reweave. This is what healing looks like. So there may, for a lot of people, and maybe you who, who is listening, may be feeling like a lot of uh, un- discomfort and um, struggle being in this home space situation. And unless it's truly a harmful situation for you, I think the invitation here with Chiron is to he- go ahead, do some healing through that. How can this time be ultimately strengthening for whatever the truth of those bonds are. 
My daughters are coming back to me today, so I'm also thinking about this with them. Just that um, it's going to shift my quarantine experience to now caretake their needs all day, you know? And uh, I'm excited for it because I, I struggle sometimes holding my construct of identity when they're not with me. Um, but it will definitely um, inform my, uh, my daily pattern to have to um, make it a dance with them, you know. And I'm, I'm excited about it, but I'm sure that there will be times when we argue and there will be times when we get on each other's nerves and we need to, like, have some, like, let's get it out. What's the real problem, you know? Like, I'm feeling like you have something to say. Let's hear it. <laughs> and a lot of healing comes from those moments. And it's like, you know, I mean, we're talking about Aries here in that house, which is heat. I'll talk more about Aries in a minute. Okay. Other issues to look at for this new moon astrology, as well as into the coming weeks is... If you, you may or may not know that we've had a planetary intense buildup in Capricorn, planets that uh, when combined bring a lot of intensity and crisis that bring contraction, that demand purification and the purification process can be really hard because it often means, you know, that things have to die or go away. Um, and there can be a lot of pressure on the previous systems in order to make space for this purification and transformation. And so what we're witnessing right now, and this is really for the people who know more of the technicals, so just be patient with this if this is kind of gibberish to you. <laughs> but what we have right now is that Saturn is has moved off um, Capricorn space and into Aquarius. This just happened. So Saturn is in a sign for two and a half to three years. And this is Saturn's kind of peaking into Aquarius because when it goes retrograde later this spring, it will then go back into Capricorn until December. So we have a few months here where we get a sneak peek about what Saturn is going to be bringing us in the next few years in Aquarius. Now Saturn rules Aquarius as it does Capricorn. And so it's very strong there to help us, I believe, rebuild systems, rebuild technology, build new paradigms, build new structures and models and frameworks for humanity. It's a reforming principle when it's in Aquarius. It cleans things up to reform and progress. So this is, we have a few months here to see like what that might look like over the next few years, and individually, wherever you have Aquarius in your chart, you're going to get a sneak peek of what that's going to be meaning for you personally. 
So Saturn is has kind of like taken some pressure off of that Capricorn space by moving into Aquarius now, hopefully bringing us some some vaccines, like technology, like what's the technology that we're needing right now for humanity? Come on, people. So at the point of the new moon, we have some really heated, we're in a hot spot right now. We have been all weekend because we have Pallas Athena, which is, which is a good energy. It's creative you know, our capacity for creative intelligence with Jupiter that makes everything bigger. Pluto that basically kills, kills the poison, but it can feel really intense. And then Mars, our energy, our fighting, our heat. So having all of that energy together right now is a lot. There's a lot progressing in an intense kind of vortex way that is um, speeding up and feels uh, like it's moving faster than anyone can handle. But Mars is now beginning to move off and away the Pluto-Jupiter space there and will eventually by next week on the 31st have crossed into Aquarius where it will meet Saturn now bringing that same energy and power and heat into the space of Aquarius, which, as I was saying, is a reforming energy. It's about progress. It's about new paradigms. It's about innovation and technologies. So in the next week, I think especially by around March 31st, I'm hoping for a kind of like just wham, bam, when Saturn and Mars come together, really like bringing something strong. Um, But right now with so much intensity for the individual, like there is a lot of purge energy that's happening right now, intensifying purging. And I feel that on an individual level, like what, what seems to be coming out in order to purify is our expectations and trust in systems that are me first in order for us to purify into a different story, a different story about how we interact with our planet, with other humans, with animals, with our stuff. And the very best thing that we can do is kind of like hold steady, I feel like right now, to let ourselves basically like purify this out, purify it. And in the process, lean more and more on each other in the ways that we can when we are in many ways separated. So what are the technologies? You know, Saturn asks, what are the means for rebuilding new structures that rely more on empathy and in, um, and in constellating one human organism that takes care of everybody? But we have to 
we have to begin kind of letting go of like, I thought this was how life was going to be. Or I thought that these things, X, Y, Z, were all going to take care of me. Beginning to let go some of that expectation will bring in like a whoosh of, well, what else maybe? You know, it's in the clinging and the grasping. This is all Pluto language. It's the, the, the clinging and the grasping to what was is what is so painful, you know? And as we let go of just like, I don't need that anymore. And this is like the most Pluto story ever. This, this is the underworld journey is realizing that you don't need all that armor of me first and um, like trust in these economic structural systems, institutional systems that have um, really run their course. So I know that that can kind of come off hot and... Um, People might bristle to that, but that's that's how I feel about it. Um, I think there's great potential for re rewriting stories right now. The more we all mind the curve and stay in, <laughs> we can try to ha help this happen without losing too many people, you know, without, like, how can we prevent more tragedy, and also get really excited about rewriting things and um, bringing in a new paradigm. So that's this week. I think with so much intensity, it's really about holding and uh, maybe just like trying to give everybody a lot of space while they do their own personal purging and releasing and kind of acceptance, which is all very Chiron too. It's like Chiron and Pluto stories feel really, really alive right now. If you have your chart, if you know your chart and you have personal planets at 24-ish um, Capricorn, likewise 24-ish Cancer, 24th Libra or Aries. Um, you may be feeling a lot of this intensity more than other people in a personal way. And if your if your birth if your birthday is tomorrow, or if you have planets at four degrees Aries, and if you have planets at four degrees Libra or Cancer or Capricorn, then you will you will feel like like this new moon is especially for you, you know, it's like um, there's something really important about your, your script, your story that is being rewritten in exciting ways right now. And if you want me to clarify that for you, just shoot me an email and maybe we can talk about, we can do a quick back and forth or maybe talk about a, a reading. So, um, so now is the time to set intentions and setting intentions about bringing in your brave inner warrior, your fearless leader, 
These are Aries words. So, at this time, I'm going to switch off to look at Aries teachings. And um, I hope you will meet me on the other side of a quick little break. So Aries' teachings, I'm really excited to get into this symbolic wisdom with you. I have to share, of course, that I've just created a workbook about Aries, Living the Signs, Aries, the warrior in you. So if what I'm saying is resonating, if you're feeling into wanting to connect with, interact with, have conversations with, make prayers with, set goals with the part of you that is Aries, then I have this workbook for you and you can get it at my website, brittenlarue.com. That's B-R-I-T-T-E-N-L-A-R-U-E.com. If you go to shop, you'll see my workbooks. So if you receive, if you're listening to this and you order it at the beginning of the week of the new moon, then I will email you my new moon ritual that's in that book because you won't have your book in time to do it, but I can send you the PDF of that um, if you purchase the book so that you can do what I think is a really cool ritual that I have for you guys. So, all right then. How does Aries teach us? I think the first thing that Aries teaches us is that it's number one. <laughs> It's one, it's one that comes forward out of the void. So I really believe that, and it's not like I've made this up, but I see, I feel how each sign kind of calls in the one that comes after it. You know, just like it needs the one that comes after it. And so in that language, Pisces created um, Aries. And I love this so much because Pisces is 12 then. It's the last sign. Pisces is two fish moving in different direction. And so with Pisces, there's like, there's a real inclination to want to understand mystery and to go into dream worlds and to be in alternate realities alternate realms some might call it escapist some might call it um being out of it <laughs> but pisces energy loves to kind of tune into other realities and part of that is that one fish that's tempted to swim downstream out into the delta of mystery and go to the number 13 which is mystery, which is death, which is the unknown, the unknown, what's out there beyond this body of mine, this ego of mine. Like I want to feel into that. Mm. 
floating in that water. As a Pisces Sun, Mercury, Venus, that really resonates for me. I get that. But I also love that it's two fish. The other fish is going upstream to spawn and start again. And there in the Pisces is a drive to be bringing something forward from that mystery, from that ability to connect with um, kind of alternate reality and bear something new, bring something new into form. And what that is, is the Pisces dreaming of Aries and calling Aries in. And so in Pisces season, it can be kind of a wonky time if we're not putting our consciousness on it because there's this energy of what is dying and what is being born that's coming with Aries. So then Aries as one like is that spark, it is that life force energy, it is that one that's come forward um, to clarify and to form, to unify from void into to be something. So it's the first sign. It's the beginning. You know, it's, it begins with the spring equinox the first day of Aries is the first day of spring. And in this sense, you know, if you think about Easter, it relates to the Celtic holiday of Ostara, um, meaning like this kind of shining light that's with, that the sun is coming back up now. You know, that the equal day night, we're going to have more light now, like we are being reborn, we are being resurrected at this time of year. And we see it everywhere in nature. It's always different depending on where you lived. I've lived at different places in the US and I know that March feels really different in Texas than it does in New Hampshire. But these there's still these signs, you know, that the that the that the earth is renewing itself. And we are nature too. And so for me, each of the signs is essentially about some beauty, some dignity about that particular time of year that as humans who are nature, we develop these like habits and ways of working in the world and ways of ritualizing and celebrating and congregating and doing the balance of working and playing around what the earth is doing And so Aries then comes to be, from a Northern Hemisphere perspective, Aries comes to represent the beauty and the dignity of what is required at that particular time of year vis-a-vis a a very earthly experience. You know, astrology is ostensibly about the sky, but in many ways it's about what it means to be a human being on the planet Earth. So... Aries then. When we think about Aries, it then has to do with the first of new life. It's the rebirth. It's the beginning of the zodiacal calendar. There are ways that we organize the elements. Uh, I'm jumping ahead of myself. There are ways that we organize the signs in order to be able to categorize them and talk about them in different ways. And I'm going to talk about Aries 
vis-a-vis these different um, ways of approaching a sign. The first of these is to think about the element that a sign represents. So there's four elements that are represented in in the zodiac, in the language of astrology. Fire comes first with Aries, then earth, Taurus, then air, Gemini, then water, Cancer, and then it begins again. Fire, Leo, Virgo's earth, Libra, air, and so on. So working with the elements is, is a really vital part of living in cycles. It's helped me so much like I really love how being more in communion with the teachings of each of the elements has changed my life so when we're in a fire cycle then which is what we're in with when we're in Aries we are inviting fire into our lives to teach us and to inform us about the fire within us so that we can work a kind of alchemy we can work a kind of healing magic with ourselves as we rebalance our relationship to the four elements by working with the signs moon to moon see how this all works so uh, if you have my moon to moon workbook in the back you'll see there's a lunar cycle in fire and so you can begin working with that workbook over this entire Aries season, new moon and Aries season, um, and see how you are informed by fire in your life. And I hope that it feels alchemically magical for you. So it's a fire sign. Fire is our zestiness. It's our energy. It's our passions. It's our enthusiasms. Fire is like our animated spirit it's this something it's this life force energy that animates us and imbues our whole body system and energy field with something that animates us and so when we're connecting with fire we are connecting with our energy our life force energy what animates us We also divide up the signs by like the energy direction that the sign is moving in. So we have three categories for this, cardinal, fixed, and um, (laughs) totally blinking. Listeners are yelling at me, Um, mutable. (laughs) So cardinal signs initiate and they initiate each season. Aries initiates spring. It's a cardinal sign. Cancer initiates summer. It's a cardinal sign. Libra, autumn. Capricorn, winter. So the first signs of every season are cardinal, and that means they are initiating energies. The energies of like getting things going, getting things started. It's a reaching kind of out from you out into the world in some way to get something going. Jump starters, beginner people, people who get, who get something off the ground, who want to make things happen, who start stuff. That's cardinal energy. Fixed energy bears down. Taurus bears down into spring and says, let's make what we build last. 
And then the last signs of a season are mutable. They move things around. They disperse them. Like with Gemini, it's like ideas are dispersing around like the ways the winds are pollinating. Bees are pollinating as they buzz around. Gemini, ideas. So Aries and his cardinal fire, it initiates fire energy. And another way we divide up the signs is personal, interpersonal, and transpersonal. The first four signs are personal, then the next four interpersonal, the final four transpersonal. Personal signs then have to do with the person, you. Aries is about you. It's not about the way you are operating with anyone else or with the collective. It's like coming from you. It's about you. It's how you know yourself. So Aries is how you know your passion instinct, your energy instinct, your leader instinct. Um, Taurus is about like how you know what your values are that you root into. Gemini is like how you come to know your relationship to ideas and how you make meaning. And Cancer is how you know your feelings and who you belong to. So Aries then is an initiating cardinal energy that is about the person, it's personal, and it's about fire, passions, energy, zest, cardinal personal fire. So the essence of Aries, what it's about in each of us, what it's about in nature is about personal agency getting things going and making them happen for yourself. And I just want to pause on this idea of agency because to me it's so important. When we get upset, you know, when we feel pissed, in many ways it's because we feel someone has taken our power away, right? Like they've taken our ability to stand in our power out of our hands they feel it feels like they're blocking our personal agency we like to feel that what we put our will to what we put our heart to what we put our energy on is helping us move our life in some way that like we have the capacity to put our fire on something and make something happen initiate something cardinal you know, we like to feel that from the solar plexus, like from a place of our personal power, we can lead. We can say, I want this and I want to see it be built. I'm going to take this idea and I'm going to do something with it. And whenever we block ourselves with like, oh, but that probably wouldn't work because da 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 da, or I bet that, I bet they won't like that idea. Or I'm probably just getting carried away. You know, we jump in with these limiting beliefs about ourselves and we block our personal agency from having a chance to get initiated and off the ground. Now sometimes it's sometimes we're over Aries. As an Aries rising person, I'm often, even though I work with this all the time, I still find myself with way too many projects that I've started. Like oh my gosh, how am I going to complete all these things? Because <laughs> it's so fun to initiate them. Like, 
I know we'll do this. I'm going to have a workshop on that and I'm going to write these books and I'm going to have a podcast <laughs> and I'm going to have one-on-one clients and be a mother and, and uh, 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 uh-oh, 24 hours in a day. So, you know, when we're working with our Aries and our personal agency, it's like this, you know, it's about tending the fire, tending the fire. Like, oh, interesting. I see I have this energy that wants to start something. I see I have this desire to put my will on this thing that like is Aries because it's like, I want it. Like my daughter told me, um that I'm, I remind her of the Ariana Grande song. <laughs> like, I see it, I like it, I want it, I got it, you know, because that's like this Aries in me that was like, I see the idea, I like it, I want it, I'm going to make it happen. Personal will, personal agency, I, I, this, this needs to exist, I'm going to make this thing exist, you know. This, this sense of it's, it's almost a kind of reckless hope because it's the energy of tulips that shoot up out of the ground, reaching for the sun, like, we're doing it. It's gonna be amazing. woo Even though they're like so fragile, you know, they're so fragile and there's all these storms in the spring and they just go you know, and Aries, to me, like the poignant, like beautiful, lovely thing that about Aries is just that like, hope is in that, you know, that's just like, I'm gonna do it anyway. I don't know if it'll work, but I'm, I'll try. It's so beautiful the Aries in each of us and it's so worthy of our contemplation and reverence this ability to say yes I'll do it yes I'll try yes I'll go for it I can do it you know and sometimes we say that, sometimes we say that too often. <laughs> but, you know, there's such beauty to me in that hope. There's such beauty to me in that sense that it's possible. It's just that we need our Taurus to come in after that and be like, all right, whoa, 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 slow this puppy down. And remember what I said, Aries dreams of Taurus. Like Aries needs Taurus, like help Help me make these things sustainable. Help me make this stuff last. Help me build something that can sink roots into the ground. And that's what that Taurus then teaches as Taurus comes in like, I got this, you know? So the Aries in us though is about identifying that birth energy in ourselves when it's there and trying to give it some space to not be... um, snuffed out you know like give it give it room to grow its things and what we can see from spring around us is like this birth energy that we all have in us it really doesn't need a whole lot of attention it just needs us to get out of its way 
like when when the body is impregnated the the belly just gets bigger like as a pregnant mom I wasn't like okay now I'm ready for the next trimester okay belly do that like I didn't have to do anything it just did the thing and I and I feel that's really like that with a lot of our um, beautiful ideas is like if we just get out of their way enough, the birth energy can come forward and then we're sort of just, we're writing it and we're tending it and we're, we're caretaking it so that it won't burn itself out so that it has a chance to make it to its Taurus phase, you know? We can't ride every single idea that we have. We learned this in Gemini too. But with Aries, it's like making room for this like fantastic growth that wants to come forward if we have enough hope to believe in it. So nature can really teach us about trusting in that Aries part of self to, um, to survive, you know? So wherever you have Aries in your chart then, and we all have Aries in our chart because Aries was in the sky when we were born, that house, and you can very easily Google the meanings of the different houses, that house is where you will be most Aries-like, where you'll be the most brave, where you will really need independence. I mean, if there's anything that Aries in us needs from people, it's like, stay out of my way. <laughs> because so much of what Aries is about as sign number one is self-sufficiency, personal agency. Stay out of the way while I'm making this thing happen, please, you know? And so where you have areas in your chart is probably an area where maybe other parts of your chart speak to like how interpersonal and relational you are. But where you have areas is really where you are kind of on a solo leader journey of self-sufficiency, where you need the space to discover and unfurl your big leader energy. And so if that's in your first house, if you're Aries rising like me, it's a really crucial part of how you step into this world is with Aries energy. And you'll approach people and projects with that Aries energy, a little bit of like, how can I um, lead? How can I um, uh, see something to initiate here? And I, I think that right now in these uncertain times with COVID-19, everyone's rising signs coming forward because this is a new thing we're dealing with. And so we approach new things with our rising signs. So for me, I'm, I'm a little bit in overwhelm by all the ways I want to like tackle it and take it on as like this Aries, <laughs> this Aries energy wants to like come up with all of these ideas to help, to help, to help, like to lead, to lead, to lead. And it's, it's very overwhelming. And then I have to kind of step back from it. Just like I'm, I'm, that's just my Aries like trying to find the hope and the way when I can't start all those projects or it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> if Aries is your sun sign, it's this incredible vibration that you're operating on. It's your frequency. It, if, you, if you're not Aries rising, it might not be the first thing people are picking up on you, but 
they will come to sense this vibration as they get to know you and know that this noble, beautiful thing about you is your ability to, to lead with that kind of fearless hope. If Aries is your moon sign, that's an emotional connection with Aries, like emotionally really wanting to bump up against things emotionally wanting that independence and to um, be able to start things, jump from this to that, um, maybe get bored easily, you know, on an emotional level. There's a lot of heat there emotionally as well if Aries is your moon. It's really just about putting our your conscious attention on how Aries wants to play in you and then you being the kind of like... Uh, uh, like uh, over leader of all of the parts of your chart, noticing like, ah, that's my Aries moon trying to get me to start something because I'm feeling insecure right now. So Aries, that's Aries in the chart. <clears throat> it's at this time that I would really like to move to talking about how to get closer to Aries by learning from Aries's ruler. Aries is the way it is because it's given its capacities by Mars. Aries is actually like an adverb describing how we do things. And it's basically saying how we're doing things like Mars. Mars being the actual archetype, the teacher, the kind of thought form energy that has lessons for us and important things to give us. And it does that through Aries and it does that through its other sign, Scorpio. So today I will focus primarily on Mars's teachings vis-a-vis Aries. And we can talk about Scorpio when we get to Scorpio. So let's talk about Mars now, Mars's teachings. So Mars as an archetype, as a multivalent archetype that teaches us about many things and holds many things in its symbol, Mars represents our capacity to go after what we want, and it's our energy. It's our energy to go and attack life. It's our energy to go after things. It's our energy to thrust out into the world. It's the energy that gets us out of bed. And if this sounds familiar as to how Aries sounds, it makes sense because Mars imparts upon Aries its qualities, as I was saying. So Mars is representative of that part of us that wants to get the thing that it wants. <laughs> and this is not a bad thing. Mars is a really important part of who we are because, you know, our sun, we can say, is like our goals and our purpose and our potential, like what we would like to really 
be out in the world doing. But unless we have Mars on our side, like unless we have this ability to like go and do it, (laughs) there's, uh, there's, you know, stagnation or there's lethargy, there's um, lack of confidence, lack of um, the, just the ability and the drive to, to tackle the thing that you're going for. And so we all have a really different relationship to Mars depending on our personalities and our charts can really speak to that. Wherever you have Mars in your chart is going to speak to a place where there's going to be a lot of energy. Like there's going to be a lot of energy there to really go for things in that house or to like release energy in some way in that house, to find your soldier, to find your hero, to find your drive in the story of that house. And everybody's going to have a different whole epic story there because it's going to depend on the sign that's there with Mars. It's going to depend on that the element that that sign is in. It's going to depend on what other planets are sitting with Mars telling the story of your hero or may have aspects from across the sky. Aspects is a little astro term we use, meaning like relationships and conversations from one planet or point to another across the sky by like angles, like geometric angles. Some of these being easy conversations and some of them being tense, tension-filled conversations. So wherever we have Mars is really important in our life story. And I really like to give it respect when I talk about Mars. In the language of astrology, we say that certain planets are benefic and certain are malefic. And Mars is a malefic planet, meaning that it can give us a little bit of a hard time. Malefic from that root of like, um, like I'm thinking Maleficent in Sleeping Beauty, but uh, Malfeasance of um, um, Maladept. Isn't that a word? (laughs) The root mal, meaning like difficult, hard, um, darker, um, and like ill-bearing, bringing fortune down for one when you have that planet around. Now, I say that, but we all have a Mars. Everybody has one. And... I also believe that all signs and all planets are fundamentally neutral entities. Their teachings are neither good or bad. They're all neutral. To me, it's just that Mars is a planet that we can trip up over more easily, that we can kind of lose lose our better self and sometimes if we're not working with it skillfully. So if you're used to my language, you know that I use these terms skillful and not skillful all the time, as opposed to good or bad. I also use it instead of light and shadow because I just really like the neutrality of the word skillful, not skillful. So 
when we're working with our Mars skillfully, what it can feel like is when we're really putting our energy out in the world and we're going for things, but we're not like hurting anyone, harming ourselves. We're not um, driving it so hard that it creates um, pain anywhere. Because Mars rules pointed objects, including the penis. Because it's a kind of a, it's a masculine force. So it rules weapons, surgical tools. It is our ability to say no. And again, this is not, this is, that's really a neutral thing. The ability to say no is really important, actually. This is part of how we can use our Mars to support us is to help us know when we have a no for somebody. And as someone who struggled with that one, I really have appreciated how Mars has helped me recover my no. So we work with Mars then skillfully in order to access our drive, to access our sacred no, or any kind of no that's not good for us, to access our um, desired outcome and the will, the will to go and get to that outcome. Like, I, I see it, I like it, I want it, I got it. <laughs> so we want the Mars on the job. But Mars can be not skillful because Mars is really hot and it can be a part of us that can get really tied up in what I like to call and term reactivity. So the idea of being reactive is like we're, we're triggered by something. We're having a response to something else. And it's when, and we all know this, like somebody's, somebody's mere presence or something somebody says, something about a situation begins to bring heat. Like we begin to feel heat rising up in our bodies and we want to react. Like there's a part of us that like wants to take a different tone, wants to cut a little bit with somebody, wants to yell, wants to explode into rage, wants to um, send a message of some kind that's pretty heated and might hurt on the other end. And you just want to do it anyway because you just like have to release this heat. So working with our Mars has a lot to do with becoming more skilled at recognizing when we're feeling reactive, like when we're feeling a triggered response that, it, that involves heat and recognizing like, I'm, I'm feeling this, this is coming on. <laughs> and learning to develop a repertoire of responses. I think it was Caroline Casey who said that phrasing, repertoire of responses. She's an astrologer I love. Um, a repertoire of responses in when we notice that we're triggered with heat. Like even walking away, right, can be something we just have to do. 
putting the phone down, walking away from the email, um, breathing, taking some deep breaths, imagining actually being splashed with like cobalt blue color and um, wetness and um, like turning to those parts of the body where we can like bring some of the heat down. And so learning to work with Mars skillfully has a lot to do with learning to work with our reactivity. And so wherever we have Mars in our chart can be a part, a place in our lives where we have a, like, a lot of life journey around working with our reactivity there. And learning how to be more skillful at still channeling our energy and still um, working with our will, but not doing it in a way that cuts um, and creates harm, right? And not doing it in ways that we regret. Like that's a big thing with Mars, working with Mars is learning how to say you're sorry. I mean, many, many people like just can't say they're sorry or like just cannot take any responsibility, for what they did when they were hangry, <laughs> right? Like what they did when they were mad, they can never like circle back and have a little talk about how they lost their temper. Like learning how to take responsibility for what your Mars does when it's in a moment is a really large part of um, helping yourself get more skillful working with Mars. And um, another one that I would say is just cultivating patience. This has been a huge thing in my life um, as an Aries rising person. So thus, Mars is my chart ruler, we say in this language of astrology. The planet that rules your rising sign is your chart ruler. And so it's, it's definitely been really great information to, to learn this language so that I can begin to consciously cultivate patience. Like, hey, B, I see you're ready to have a response. <laughs> I see you're ready to react. Um, maybe not, you know, like, how could you get patient with this? And usually that means like getting, getting to that third party position, observer position of noticing myself in reaction, noticing myself, like want to make something happen. That's a Mars thing. Like, wanting to make a thing happen, wanting to get the thing, wanting to send the email, wanting to throw something out there, wanting to like bump up against stuff for reactions. And so it's like getting an outsider position of that behavior and figure out what to do in order to walk away a little bit, the patience. Because once the cool down happens, I found then it's like that, that energy has gone somewhere else. It's been diffused and I no longer feel the same about the thing. It doesn't have the urgency that it had even five minutes before once I'm able to get outside of it a little bit with some patience. So working with Mars skillfully, you know, really does involve, and I, and I say this for all of our planets, that it's about cultivating like an observer third party neutral position to the ways we do these different parts of selves to be like, ah, interesting. I'm noticing that and in the case of Mars, I'm noticing that I'm reactive or I'm noticing that I want to bump something. 
I, I'm noticing I want to, I want to like go do something with my energy. <laughs> that is like the Mars archetype, right? Like, <gasps> so physical activity is no joke, like a really important ways of working with your Mars. Physical activity, learning how to get the energy somewhere. Like where's the energy going to go? The energy has to go somewhere. We have to put it on something. So that can be physical activity. Sometimes sexual activity can really um, also help with that Mars-like tension, that build-up tension that's like, you know, just like, oh, I have this energy. And as I was recently talking about it in an Instagram story, I feel like in this time that we're living in, when so many people are cooped up inside, I think that this archetype is going to be really important for us in Aries season ruled by Mars. This idea of everybody um, noticing like, whoa, I've got some like serious pent up energy here. And if I don't put it out on a run or a walk or whatever the thing is, it's going to go, it's going to go as soon as someone triggers me. I'm just going to explode. And um, would really prefer for that not to happen since I'm living with people and I want to maintain happy relations and respect, you know, for these people that I'm with. So I better excuse myself and go for a run. (laughs) That kind of a thing, for real. I think right now um, Mars is in such a precarious position um, as it is with these other also really demanding planets that just especially this coming week I think this kind of um, this archetype that is Mars inside of us is really going to need our most skillful conscious attention so that we can still be loving you know loving to people and loving to ourselves because it's a really horrible feeling to feel that remorse and guilt after you've exploded it it's just I just can't stand it I I really uh I don't know how anyone can get uh accustomed to it it's just a really it's a feeling that's not cool with me and so um but pent up energy in me is a legit thing so just because I feel bad about having have explosive moments that doesn't mean that that's going to make it go away I have to consciously do it on a daily basis um because there's no like intellectualizing our way around these energies we work with them like for real in real time in our real daily lives so yeah Mars is you know what Mars might want from you right now is for you to locate to precisely locate like where the passion energy is and to begin to claim that in a way that will feel like you are bringing your personal agency to your life and that you were doing it in a way that can help your situ- your current situation, whatever that might be. That can help the community in whatever ways that might be. 
that can feel like productive, that can feel um, like it's being released somehow. And sometimes productive is just simply getting the energy out through exercise, you know. So, um, there's a lot of unknown in the coming cycle. So I'm wishing you, dear listener, anyone listening, including myself, when I take a chance to hear rehear it, <laughs> wishing everyone a cycle of connecting to the will and connecting to hope and connecting to leadership and connecting to our passions in ways that help us feel um, like we are channeling some kind of helpful release, even if that release is simply putting it somewhere that doesn't cause any harm in our living situation. Bringing mindfulness to one's Aries with patience can be a beautiful intention in itself. Just putting one's conscious attention there and loving noticing, loving compassionate observation and trying to be as neutral as possible with our own Aries and with our own Mars that might be a really, really beautiful way to see an unfolding across the cycle that will be really informative to you and really helpful to you as you wish to embody and know and connect with the archetype of Aries, the archetype of Mars much more intimately. Thank you for listening. I'm wishing you the very best. If you enjoyed this, I hope you will leave some kind of review or subscribe or give it a rating. I really appreciate that since I'm brand new at this and trying to cultivate more audience. If there's anything that I said here that you would like to talk with me about, um, please go to my website, find my email, and let's start a conversation. If there's something that you would like to learn more about from me or have me talk more about here, I hope that you will reach out and let me know about that. I may create another message sometime next week and definitely before the new moon to talk about that. At that time, I will probably take the opportunity to loop in the tarot wisdom that relates to Aries and Mars because that's something I also really enjoy as I help others get closer to the essence of this beautiful symbolic wisdom. So at some point here in the coming weeks, there'll be some talk about the emperor. There'll also be some talk about Libra, since Libra is the opposing sign of Aries and signs learn and upgrade through the partnership they have with their polar sign. So those are some things that will be upcoming. But if anything pressing seems to come up, I may just jump in. I really don't know. Take care of yourself. And until next time.